be very frank, I lost a job to CGI and I said, okay, I need to figure this out. <laughs> First of all, the car is always the hero. Of course, yeah. With our creative background, we learned that the holy grail of locations is a city. And since we built a machine that built cities, we can output cities and say, oh, this is your city and nobody else is going to be using it. You know, I started shooting on film. I have no nostalgia of film. I hate it. Really? I, I get stressed talking about it. Imagine, so, situation is this. You're stressing me out, Farrakh. Exactly. <laughs> if I wanted to create a photorealistic image of a car, how would I do it? Big box of secrets. You want, want some of those? Okay, number one. You're listening to The VFX Process, where we talk to the industry's most talented artists. We take a deep dive into a personal project of theirs and take a look at the work that went into them, as well as show an insight into the mind, workflow, and career of each artist. The VFX Process, getting intimate with your industry. Brought to you by Big Two Studios. In today's episode, Jam chats with Farouk Eplevent, the brilliant mind behind the scope a groundbreaking fully CGI automotive launch company. Farouk began his journey as a globe-trotting car photographer, capturing iconic images for the world's leading car brands, all on traditional film. However, faced with the rise of CGI, Farouk encountered a career crossroads. Undeterred, he founded the scope, pioneering the creation of jaw-droppingly realistic CGI car renders that have become a staple for high-end automotive product launches. Farouk introduces us to Scope City, an innovative tool that revolutionizes the industry by procedurally generating cities. This cutting-edge technology, powered by a combination of V-Ray 6, Maya, and Houdini software, enables clients to showcase their latest cars in meticulously crafted urban landscapes. Farouk also reveals his top five tips for creating photorealistic car renders. Whether you're a seasoned professional or an aspiring CG artist, these invaluable insights will elevate your craft to new heights. So for all the secrets behind CGI car our commercials and launches stick around hey farrak hi jamie how are you doing i'm good thank you all final checks we've got the thumbs up yeah exactly we're ready to start it's like 747 let's go let's go, <laughs> let's go. how are you farrak really nice to meet you sir, and thank you for coming on likewise likewise i'm doing well thank you very much so yeah i mean this is just a laid-back casual chat about yourself and the scope and we're going to get into um, the Scope City, photography, cars. I'm a big car fan myself. I guess we can get straight in and just start with a introduction of who you are and what do you do. You've been asked this many times. <laughs> My name is Farouk Kaplowind and I am the founder at this point, the CEO of the Scope. My background is in photography and uh, after I finished assisting, I focused more on car photography. Did that for quite a while together with a partner, which was quite unusual at that time, being, you know, the, uh, working as a team in photography and commercial photography. So we did that. And towards 2007, CGI started being a reality in the car market. You know, the car manufacturers started very early to look at that technology. To be very frank, I lost a job to CGI. I said, okay, who's the CGI dude? Yeah, I need to figure this out. <laughs> so we started looking at it. And at the same time, you know, our family was growing and 
the car photographer's life is very similar to you know a sailor's life. You're gone six months out of the year. It's great life. You follow the sun, right? It's Cape Town, California, southern France, southern Spain. So all all very nice, but nevertheless, you know you're not home. When you're home, you stress about getting the next gig and doing all these things. So I felt, well, uh, I was under the impression when I do CGI, I'm going to have a more organized life, which <laughs> that's not necessarily true. How's that working out? <laughs> yeah, not so well. But at least, you know, I see the kids in the morning and I yeah. got to take the kids to school for a long time. They're already, you know, the smallest one is 11 and the oldest is 19. So they're, they're you know, big kids. You know, so it was worthwhile on the family side of things. Uh, yeah, so that I think was was interesting, and it uh, you know worked out. I'm sorry, but you know we got into CGI very very slowly and realized well we're not going to be able to compete with you know the big players back then. There was in the car market there was this company called RTT, which was then acquired by 3D Excite, and they were you know sitting they had the capability of preparing data and once they prepared the data they would do the renders so you know there was in a way a closed door <clears throat> and it would make sure you know the business doesn't go out too much but with our creative background we learned that building locations and sets is something where we can add add to cg workflow and obviously also the uh, experience in lighting and camera work these things we only did photography so we continued photography in, in the computer and pointed CG photography, which is a thing by now, I think. Back then, it didn't really pick up. You know, my social media power was not very strong like that. <laughs> really? So, but, you know, so we did. And then we were, you know, we we're, were lucky we worked for Mercedes. Uh, obviously, using my network of photographers that were my competitors and friends, you know, back, back in the day. And offering them a service that was unlike any other CG studio, very, you know, photographer focused and servicing their needs. You know, things developed. And then after a while, we realized the car launch, the launch per se, is uh, essentially an area where um, there's not much discussion whether or not it should be CGI. Because first of all, the OEM stopped building show cars just for shoots they would build this you know build them for car shows but not for you know shooting necessarily and they used to do that i used to work on those jobs now they would spend a million euro to build a car to send it somewhere to be photographed um so they stopped doing that moved to cgi and when you start doing that you realize wow it's great to have a corner but if you need to turn around it's just right. a set you know, it doesn't add up really. So uh, we kept pushing on on the location development side of things to to be able to deliver on the launch project, and so that became our speciality: doing launches and building locations for it. And you know, the the holy grail of launch locations is the city, right? Most complicated, most uh, needed. Thing. So COVID, you know, helped us to find time to do that, essentially. So, oh, yeah, the, you know, the scope, the city. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, interestingly, uh, in the car market, at least, COVID didn't lead to tons of more work, but it led to a, a little bit of a halt in the market because 
and that they couldn't manufacture cars, so they would sell anything they had, so they didn't need advertising, right? They would just, whatever was on the lot was selling. And since nobody knew what was going to happen, they say, you know, marketing budgets get cut first. So it was, you know, COVID was slow, and therefore we could, you know, work with the core team, work on work on developing the city thing that we had started working on before, uh, and the side project became the main project, and you know, they've had it. And it's it's grown into a beast. I heard that you put in a lot more work into it than you initially thought that you was going to, yeah. and you kind of developed into, yeah, pretty pretty large, and you put a lot of hours into it. Is it a team of 10 people, you guys, um, Farrakh? Yeah, yeah, roughly, exactly. So, and it's, you know, they've been busy with it. I mean, not exclusively, but quite heavily. We looked at the numbers uh, the other day, lots of hours. And it's about three years' time to, to get it done and learned a lot, found a lot of ways that do not work. But, you know, when you look at the thing, when it's finished, to be very frank, it's all stuff that the game studios are using. I mean, there is no super duper secret sauce. It's more about you know getting it done, getting it to work, getting it to perform, to have a scene that is you know usable. Right? Yeah, I was going to say optimize optimization these days is key, isn't it? So render times yeah. any yeah. or any you know if it can be as optimized as possible, that for everybody, time is money. Um, I guess it's similar to what it's like in the tra- traditional sense of photography or any aspect of, of creative. Time is money and you need to be as efficient as possible, whether it's on the screen, render times, or on set uh, or on, on location. You know, regarding render time, obviously we need to, you know, we try to balance it, but I think we are more on the wasteful side of render times. And you know? so if it's like, Oh, it's five hours per frame. Wow, that's cool. You know, it, it, it's, it's like, <laughs> but it renders, you know. We have, yeah. You know, we, we hit the uh, edge of possible quite often. So the pipeline for the Scope City, and we'll either come back to it or we'll circle back to it, but under my understanding, it's Houdini, uh, Maya, and V-Ray 6. Yeah. I mean, in a nutshell, for people that, and you've just explained it, but you essentially, the Scope City, provide the environments for car manufacturers to show off their car and create commercial is it mainly car commercials or is it just for those launch which it well, is a car commercial of course but is it yeah i mean we 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 do launches but we started working with with partner studios are also very interesting at the in-house cg studios of oems some of them are growing they have you know some of them have teams of 40 people in-house producing their own marketing assets. Great people do great work, but a location is always an input that is everybody knows they need it, but I think it seems to be difficult to get management, you know, convince management saying, well, you know, we need to invest in this. We need to build it because essentially, I'm not saying we're the smartest people out there. I'm sure there are smarter people, but you know, if you're twice as smart, you still need one and a half years to get it done, right? It's it, for something where you're like, I want it now, or I need it soon. Uh, that is usually not the, the the time and budget that anybody signs off on. And since we build a machine that builds cities, we can output cities and say, oh, this is your you know, individual city, and nobody else is uh, going to be yes. using it. Right. So it's a very bespoke can be provided to a client 
Yeah. Um, and they're just generic. They Do they ever ask for kind of, can you, we want to shoot this in, you know, downtown LA on this specific street. Do they ever ask for a replication of an actual location? Well, we, we don't offer that because it's, I think, you know, there is many technical solutions and real life solutions to do that. So, yeah. the, you know, replicating it is, um, we don't offer it, right? So I know there's great scan teams that can scan the city for you. Oh, we yeah, build okay. it and do set extensions and all these things. Yeah, we say it's generic, it feels like LA because what we can do or what we do is we, we uh, source the street layout from OSM data, OpenStreetMap. Sure. Yeah. And we learned a lot about cities over the last few years because, you know, the grid is different, the width is different, the lots are different, you know. So, um, so that gives you an indication for the feeling of the city. A Californian city feels different than New York, right? East Coast, you know, for many, many historical reasons. But obviously, once you're on street level and you look around, you get the feeling, you know, it's like LA is more airy. New York is tighter. European cities are different again. But since our clients don't want to replicate a city, especially they don't want to replicate buildings, because first of all, the car is always the hero. Of course, yeah. And course. you don't want to pay, um, you know, royalties to the architecture owner. So being, you know, being generic is a is a feature, not a bug in that case. Right? Yeah, I guess you provide a generic but bespoke environment. So it's a generic place, but it's your own. Yeah, we look at architectural reference. I mean, it's like Tribeca or, you know, so there's a certain grid that the buildings are built upon we, you know we do use those so it feels yeah. like new york but it's not new york so yeah that is. when you're creating these cities it's all obviously um, procedurally generated what goes into kind of getting that feel of a certain city it's not just the grid layout do you model a bunch do your team model a variety of kind of basic buildings and they all kind of mix and match and things how do you get quite specific or in terms of certain aspects of a city um, to get it to feel more like that city, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, well, you know, also you need to keep in mind that we're, you know, looking at the world from a car's perspective. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, uh, so there is, uh, when you're in the street level, you know, street signs are obviously interest important. Uh, what we call city furniture, so bus stops, uh, signage, uh, advertising, benches, you know, also very different between New York and LA, you know, for example, uh, and how it's propped. And the next thing is there is, you know, architectural code in every city. So what you're allowed to build and how you're allowed to build. And what, but also what OpenStreetMap does is it gives you the footprint of a building and height information. Mm-hmm. So the Houdini tool reads that and knows, oh, this is this type of building, it's stepped, but we can tell it to randomly assign different types of buildings to it. So we have 17 different arch types of buildings built as, I call it Lego, you know, pieces. And so they fit together, they know how to create corners and then... uh, they know, oh, there's another building, so I can have windows, I can have... So this is all the rules that the team has developed over over the years 
so once you load a map, it starts compiling from, from the Legos it has. And then you can say, oh, this is cool. I'll keep that. Or you can go in and say, I want a different building. or only want modern building. Or I want them all to be brick. So you can you can do that for me, and that's also interesting. Within the team, there is another approach that we call the centerpiece approach, where you put you know you build a city with cubes like you would need it for the shot, and then you use the machine to create uh, buildings with that. So more art directed. I like to have big locations and drive through and find locations. Matthias, our head of CG, he likes construct shots. So, and it's the same with the clients, oh, okay. right? There's these two two different approaches. So, so, so it's like previews. Do you, is there elements of people in the team that kind of kind of pre-visualize shots and kind of go and explore to to get something quite creative? Or yeah, I, I you know I like to do that. I like to encourage the uh, Toby that does most of the camera work. You know, so let's you know let's have a few drives and just you know see what you find, but. Uh, also, there is a difference between stills and fill. So for stills, what happens is you find a great location and they're like, okay, this is great, but can I have this? And can I have, because every, you know, every element is so important for the shot. Then it's usually more successful to do what we call the centerpiece approach, where you have like an intersection size of location and use a bigger output of the scope city for reflections or you know in the depth you know to have the skylight when we do film it's usually easier to have a street layout do car simulations and then maybe do two outputs of the city a more modern one a more you know rustic one and then mm-hmm. have the same camera run through the same location also super interesting when you're working with clients that are so focused on their vehicle because that's like you say it's the hero yeah how particular can they get with small details in the environment do they ever get caught up and become an absolute nightmare of a client because they're more they're they're, they're as specific with a bench type than an alloy wheel reflection or clients that drive you crazy <laughs> always <laughs> no it's it's um of course i mean it it uh you know this is also something that is making the car work interesting or uh, but sometimes very maddening obviously that you have a lot of layers you need to go through that's what the art director, creative director goes to marketing person one, two, three, depending on how important the vehicle is, goes further up. At the same time, when it, when we're on launch projects, you know, obviously they have good budgets, but also you'll have the top decision makers involved. What happens there is, you know, literally CEOs look at this stuff because they're going to go to a car show presentation and stand in front of the footage all the photos so they want to know what they're going to be standing in front of right but they don't give you markups and feedback they say it's too bright it's too yellow it's too it's too something um so making it visible quickly is very important and they can react to things like i hate brick i mean we didn't have that but you know in somebody that has a brick thing so a phobia of bricks, for example. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually had a creative director. She had a phobia of bricks. She's like, why are all these bricks? I'm like, it's one brick building, relax. That's <laughs> <interesting>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
it, it can happen and we can react. That's, uh, that's how it's set up. We try to create shots that do work. If we understand the brand and can do all that. And again, they, they focus more on the cop. I mean, of course, we are spending 30 minutes talking about highlights on ribs. That is normal, you know, it's normal conversation, which is crazy enough. If you ask me, is it normal human being? You're like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's, 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 it's blurry. It's moving. There's foreground leaves going past. Come on. You know, and they've noticed that there's a, there's one part that, oh, that material looks a little, why is it reflecting that much? Or, yeah, but if you, know, you, if you, uh, if you think about it, um, I think the average time to market for a new vehicle developed, you know, before three years. So very smart, very talented people with lots of money behind it have spent three years of their lives getting the car on the street. They care. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's it's similar in a way to um, from from my background um, working in like film and previews on on movies and things. Um, when you work with um, art department, you know they spend so long creating these beautiful sets and props, and you know sometimes they kind of oh, can we have the camera do this so we can hold on that beautiful wall that yeah. I've modelled for like <laughs> seven months, you know? And then the director's like, well, no, but the art department's like, ah. Oh, I just want to show off this thing that I've invested so much time in, you know. Um, you just want the screen time, and you you really want to show show off um, all the hard work. So I get that. Yeah, I think in a film there is more, even more talent uh, goes to waste. I'm afraid, right? It's just uh, does make the edit, and then you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we from my background with um, previs and visualization, like. Yeah. We we never get to see our work on the screen in the end. Obviously, it, the language, the you know, we visualize scenes for directors to kind of go and shoot. But you know, when we were at the cinema at the end, and we, we're saying to our family and friends, like, oh, we prevised this whole car chase on, yeah, car chase on Fast and Furious Six, for example. If you're talking about yeah, cars, yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting in the cinema with my family, and I'm saying, um, we did that whole airplane chase with the cars and. And they're like, so what is it that you did? I says, oh, it's we well we pre-visualized all the cameras, the car chases, all the sequence, and they just didn't get that. That's not the final thing, but we kind of you know steered it and into what it was. But yeah, it's a lot of hard work. Yeah, it's a lot of hard work that is not visible, right? It's difficult. I mean, there was I don't know. I reposted something the other day on LinkedIn where somebody from Denmark or so. I'm not, I'm not sure. Is basically saying this is the no VFX VFX, you know, where he basically breaks down. Uh, okay, you know, it's like, oh yeah, uh, Oppenheimer had no VFX, and then it's like, well, VFX here, all these things, and it, it is, uh, it's funny because you know, if we're invisible, we are successful. Yes, absolutely. So I said we're the true man in black. You know, nobody knows us. Everybody forgets nobody us. Nobody knows. We flash everybody. <laughs> Yeah, you didn't see a thing. I, I was exactly. watching. Um, what was I watching? Um, a TV show called Bridgerton over here. I didn't, yeah, I didn't yeah, you yeah. know of Bridgerton. And I was showing a kind of behind the scenes video and the VFX breakdown uh, to one of our pr production coordinators. And I mean, I, I know that there's a VFX goes into these shows, but it was even more surprising just to see the amount in that type of show. Obviously, set extensions, it's a time period, it's a per periodic 
and she was blown away like what and she's asking these questions like why would you need to do you know different trees in the background and why would you can't you just go on location and shoot it i'm like it's you'll be very surprised how much is designed for a shot you know yeah. and they want a specific i guess yeah. it's similar to this you know the yeah. client wants a specific um environment a specific you know type of lighting and and things like that so it's um yeah the invisible stuff is the best when people don't realize that yeah, there's exactly. a lot of cg yeah. in there you know touching briefly on your background you are a traditional car photographer and you yeah. you you've come from that background and it transitioned into uh, cg like you said because you lost a job to cg and at the was it a catalyst to kind of i need to i need to jump onto this yeah, there were, you know, it's like basically pushed my interest and it was in the right time in my life and career also. And it's, uh, I actually enjoyed the challenge. It was very challenging. Techni- I mean, basically, I'm not a very technical person. That's the maybe also another interesting thing about our team as well because, you know, Matthias is a trained uh, graphic designer, creative director. That, uh, some, some are photographers, architects. So... We always look at CG with the mantra is technology follows creativity. So yeah, first of mm-hmm. all, we want to you know we want to solve a creative thing, and we want to achieve what we just discussed. We do things that are invisible, and you know achieve photographic filmic quality where you say, "Oh wow, this is it's a great shot." I, I don't want to you know I don't want people to talk talk about oh you've done this in cg well yeah we've done you know it's uh but that that is not uh what we're after it's more <clears throat> the incredible creative freedom i still think that's the most rewarding thing that cg gives us especially having been on location having been on location with real paying clients that are not relaxed right you know i started working like, shooting on film i have no nostalgia for I hate it. Really? <laughs> well, okay, but imagine. So, situation is this. So, a location scout went out eight weeks ago, shot the location, drove to a one-hour photo, FedEx two sets of pictures back to Germany, one to the agency, one to you as a photographer. <laughs> then they overnighted to the client. Somebody drives to the client, they have a live meeting, no, no conference calls, whatever. Right. And then say, okay, this is the location. And but if you don't have a great location scout, it is you have these conversations like, well, okay, I've seen the picture, but you're going to be shooting in eight weeks. Except in the desert, the location is going to change. Okay. (laughs) Well, nature does that to you. So (laughs) Yeah. And what it also does is changing how the sun is moving in the sky oh yeah so essentially you need a location scout with sun chart saying okay i put the car there where the sun is going to be the correct position when you come back in eight weeks then you're going to have perfect light for the car and everybody needs to believe that this is done properly and then you you know you fly over with equipment all that stuff you're on location you get up at three o'clock in the morning drive onto a dark location that you have check the day before and you wait for the sunrise and then the sunrise and the normal you know you have 30 minutes but the exposure on eight by ten transparencies Mm -hmm. takes three four minutes yeah while you're exposing the sun is getting brighter 
So oh. you have to compensate for the exposure while you're doing that. And obviously, once you're done after five minutes, you have one shot, oh. one piece of film. Fing fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> and you have, a, you have a creative next. He's like, yeah, what does it look like? I'm like, well, I can't tell you because I'm shooting film. So you set up another camera to shoot Polaroid. But poor it obviously doesn't have the quality. So, you know, you're it's stressing like this... me out, Farrakh. Exactly. You're stressing me out. <laughs> and then, best thing is if you have a car purse of people shot. And then, so I would also photograph people. So imagine you're a people photographer and you you shoot a fantastic Polaroid. A great portrait great of Matt Damon. I don't know, whatever. Right? So. You have this on Polaroid. You don't have it on film. It's like you don't have it. Yeah, you ain't got it. So this I learned from my first boss. I was shooting, uh, you know, he was shooting people. Once he had a, he would always open the Polaroid just by himself. When it was very good, he's like, "Oh no, it's shit!" And he would rip it out <laughs> <laughs> because you know, if you have a great Polaroid, the art director gets it, takes it home to the agency, and shows it to everybody. He's, he or she is going to be looking for that picture on film, which you don't have mm -hmm. because you mm -hmm. show the polar. So, digital, I think, was a revelation. You're like, okay, look, you can see it, and I have it, right? So it's that was a so, you know, for professional oh. work. Sure. Oh man, that sounds <laughs> an absolute nightmare. And and you was a location scout as well for a while. Um, early early yeah. on, wasn't yeah. you, uh, yeah. Farrow? So I did assisting and location scouting, and then moved into to shooting myself down. That, that, that setup of a traditional car photo shoot for that one still, typically one still, they wouldn't, would there be multiple shots or? Yeah, so it's like the, one of the guys I was working for back then, Uwe Dittmann, who was still a very, you know, still working photographer, but senior, let's say, he was one of the first ones that started to shoot on six by seven cameras, like small format car people and you know shooting all day and wild stuff so um i think these days they shoot more and these days definitely they're like eight to ten shots and just shoot 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 and there was a time where everything was retouched to death but that kind of went away then there was too much cg is it's with the cg stuff it's similar to uh people that get in touch with it for the first time there is this creative reflex to do stuff that is otherwise not possible and that is always the stuff that kind of looks weird you know? yeah <laughs> because it's yeah possible. it stands out yeah I, I can i can imagine i was going to say that it, the the shoot setup for a traditional car photography sounds as technical as some of the technical stuff yeah. on computers these days you know just to, true. you really need to know your beans to get it exactly as predicted and you've got you know elements as well as all the technical setup, as it sounds pretty crazy. Yeah, it was not was it's a was a very technical, high production stress thing. I mean, then take all that stuff into the city. It gets even worse. You know, traffic. You have to stop traffic, manage traffic. The light travels fast. Weather. I get stressed talking about it. Yeah, it's, I was you're stressing me out just hearing you talk about that. <laughs> So yeah, you're you're happy in where you are now with obviously obviously um, the the CG world, and um, you mentioned earlier for about uh, you know when you're shooting 
in a, in a corner and you've got to kind of rotate things around. Is there any kind of use of like a like a volume with with LED walls and things, or is that not where you guys involve yourselves in with kind of virtual production with photo shoots, where you can turn sets around with a physical car? Interestingly enough, 2019 we did a project with my brother, who was a TVC producer for for a Toyota commercial, and the task was to film. Olympic athletes, because Toyota is sponsoring the Olympics that was supposed to happen in Japan 2020. And he had the challenge that he could only get the athletes into one place at one day. So he couldn't, you know, um, go on location with them. So he rented backplates for him. And it was not, not unreal, not live at that point. It was just, you know, we pre-rendered it and they ran it on LED screen. But I think he had some people from Spain come in and set up the screen just for the shoot in Hamburg. And then we were, you know, when COVID hit, we helped some friends to organize LED screens and try the whole virtual stage thing. We're looking at it, but, you know, Scope City is not Unreal ready yet. We're working on that. Um, since we're not using Unreal for production ourselves, it was never the first priority build it well we had a lot of requests because you know having a city that you can open in unreal and use a virtual production environment sounds you know seems to be interesting for people so we definitely want to do that you know be able to offer offer virtual production studios that that solution me personally i was never super convinced of exteriors of cars in a virtual stage because the reflections are not right. Do people see it? I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe it's maybe I know too much, you know. <laughs> but I was going to say, is that because of your um, background and and you know getting these reflections to be a certain way and in the real world that that you look at things with a, a magnifying glass? But I think for interiors, and this is also what we've done with uh, with the Chinese uh, Chinese team. So we produce exterior shots and some interior, but then they add updates on the interior with the real car and talent. Then it's ideal. Again, I think it's it's very interesting. It's I've been following it very very closely, and there is huge investments in that space. Right? I mean, lots of money. I mean, it's big studios are invested in it, and I saw a talk. In Stuttgart last year at the FMX, with the FMX, yeah, you know the the, yeah. the Amazon people were there. ILM was there, and it was interesting. I mean, they, you know, everybody struggles with the same thing, right? If you don't do pre-light, you get stressed. You get stressed out of the shoot day, and you know you need to test the scene on the big screen. It just looks different on your, you know, work screen. So, it's, but again, I'm following it from from the sidelines. Of course, uh, well, what's what's happening? I'm more excited about, I mean, for us, how the development will be with, you know, Apple renaming the metaverse to spatial computing. So if we get a breakthrough oh, okay. there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's going to be, it, it might be a thing. I haven't tested it myself. Good to keep it, keep an eye on the ever evolving uh, stuff that people are doing. You know, it's uh, it's uh, it grows fast. So you've got to really kind of, I guess, keep up to, to date with as much as you can without being overwhelmed by yeah overwhelming 
agree. But it's, it's, uh, I think, you know, spatial computing or, you know, mixed reality, virtual reality, meta, whatever you want to call that space, that is, is going to be, uh, I think, since, you know, 3D is getting easier, the scanning with AI combination, you get assets fast. And I'm sure people, you know, you will sell things easier when you can see them in 3D. Yeah. I'm pretty convinced. Those 4D Gaussian splat kind of crazy things are absolutely crazy, (laughs) crazy fun. You know, the fact that you can, yeah, input, yeah, photos, videos and go into a 3D space and relight and, and it's early days for that technology. Yeah. And you can only imagine coupled with everything else that's, uh, on, on the market and out there insane. Insane. Yeah. You know, if you're on a virtual production stage, you're dealing yeah. with a real car. With your experience, is it more of a pain to handle a physical car, getting it into location, getting everything sorted for the shoot, or handling a model from the client? Which is more painful? Uh, if you ask, I think the real car is more painful because the, uh, well, you know, Obviously, it depends on the client, but most clients have a pretty reliable product information pipeline. And again, it goes back to the creative freedom because once you have, and we have a different work stream just to prep cars. So we call it spec check. So we take the car, get prepped, you know, you do turntables and detailed shots so you can send it back to the product people to get approval just on product. So they don't have to worry about creative. If that process is well managed and works, uh, it's easier than dealing with the real car, especially in you know, a launch situation. When, I, when we did launches with uh, real cars, you know, with the hand-built cars, they would send a technician and two security people, and you know, I push too many non-working cars around location because they don't work. Really? <laughs> yes. yes. But as long as they, as long as they show up. Uh, and there's, exactly. there's, there's no engine it. in it, put it there. I don't know. And especially in, in, in the car work that we have done, it's not very editorial. You have a very specific thing you need to get in a very specific angle because the designer has a favorite angle. So of course. That yeah. up. So it's like, look at it like, from its good side. Come and yeah. look at it from down here. That's, that's yeah. how you need to shoot it. Not very, very uh, point and shoot and have fun with it, right? So yeah, you're very limited to well, there's there's limitations. I guess there's limitations everywhere, but you feel that there's more restrictions, limitations with a real car than a yeah, creative. Yeah, because of what what we usually do is when we know the favorite angle of the designer, I set it up and lock it. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I rigged the car, so I had the camera and car rigged, but I can move through the location always keeping the right angle and then i see it in light in the ipr which is very fast these days so it's obviously much more comfortable than doing that on location than waiting for the sun to be at the right position and you know all these things you can move it yourself wherever you want amazing did you ever um, experience um any work with a client that was using the the blackbird have you seen that um a few years ago the, the mill blackbird car that you can Combine the hybrid of real and CG. I've seen that fantastic piece of development and technology. I, I'm not really sure. I think they, you know, I think the people that built it took it out or doing oh, it on their own now. I don't think it was a commercial success to what I, you know, oh, I really? was told. 
yeah, they, they had great use cases, and obviously it's the mill, so their behind the scenes was great. Is you know, it? You're like, oh, everybody will be using this, but I don't know. It didn't seem like yeah. that that actually did happen. I don't know. When we was getting you on the show, I, th- I thought, oh, I'll go and check back on the the Blackbird and see the current state of it. The last video I could see on the internet was about six to seven years ago. Yeah, because you know, you still to do that, you need a stunt driver. You, you have a full location production minus the car, which you know is the feature, right? Oh, you can take a CG car and you can have live previews and all these things. Uh, but yeah, full production. So maybe people were like, okay, if I have that, why don't I just shoot the car or CG everything? You know, it's like oh, just shoot the background. So it's it's a it's a great idea. The technology they put together at that time, incredible. I don't think it worked out. You know, it's similar. Like Machavision has had this thing called Motion Box. I don't know if you, it's like backplates, you know, filled backplates so you can drop in cars, stock film stock. Okay. So they could you know produce films or shots quickly. They invest huge amounts of money in it. You know, send. Big DOPs around the world to collect shots and all this. And, you know, LA and South Africa and all that. Also, I mean, obviously, I don't know the numbers, but what I heard is like it was never was, wasn't a commercial success because the initial investment was too high. And, you know, if you have people like the mill or Macavision invest in something like that, they go in with such a high expectation that the production cost is very expensive. They're not some kids in a garage or an internet or Twitch, whatever mm-hmm. it is today, with modern yeah. garages, right? They're like, oh, good. No, oh, God, they get engineers involved. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, the costs, yeah, I can imagine. Do you play video car games and like Gran Turismo with photo mode? It's kind of like uh, you can pause the game and go and explore the pho- photography side of the game. I, I played Gran Turismo on the PlayStation 1, and when the kids started coming, my wife said, Dude. I mean, it was a different, you know, it's, I'm, I'm 54. So, you know, it's like everybody who's 44 now, nobody's questioning them playing video games, right? It's, I, you know, I, I'm, ah, one generation to all. <laughs> Many of the guys here in the studio play car games. One of them has like a decent rig set up and does races oh, really? on the weekends. And- is that R&D or is yeah, that just it's, pleasure? It's, it's, it's like he's a racer. But he also goes to racetracks. I think he did this uh, race on the Nobuk Ring. So he's, you oh, know, he's, he's a real motor ad, right? So amazing. I'm more, more design, design driven. No, I like that. And, you know, it's like I have four sons. So actually, I should be doing that all the time. But yeah, but my wife does not really enjoy me, you know, working a lot and then playing of video course. games. That's not. <laughs> No, of, of course. It's a balance, isn't it, of the, yeah, the work yeah, yeah. life. What's it like balancing four kids, a business, the scope, wife, everything else? What? How do you manage that? Again, there is like the being, you know, being here, so to speak, uh, helps a bit. You know, before we started working with China, it was actually okay because the mornings were more family and the evenings were more work and and. and uh, clients in the states now is a bit much but it's at the same time with all the technology i'm doing it here because the mic yeah. is here right so i could yeah. be doing it from from anywhere i can i can do most of the things i need to do on the iphone the only thing yeah. i cannot do i cannot look at the 
render farm and see progress, you know, it's like, but it's also like, are people watching render farms rendering sane people? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> no, yeah, I, you know, you, you when you said that earlier in your career where you're kind of spending a lot of time away from yeah. um, family being at location and then, you know, the developments in technology and the way that the world's yeah. moved, it's enabled people to, yeah, spend more time with family and friends and do things more streamlined. You know, it's a natural progression, isn't it, with technology and, like you said, the creativity is first and the technology follows yeah. to kind of uh, to help that yeah and i think you know the whole I'm, i don't have a real concept of what work-life balance is supposed to be right it's like you live right and while you live yeah. you work it's fine you know it's um yes you need to make sure you spend enough time with your loved ones and you know try to exercise and work in it but I, I'm not so obsessed with, you know, sometimes you work more, sometimes you work yeah. less, because I'm also very good at doing nothing. Yeah. There is nothing. <laughs> That's no, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. So, some weeks you could work 14 hour days just to get a job yeah. done, of course. There's no right or wrong way. It's just everybody's uh, balancing it and get, get gets, gets it done, you know. I've got a note here just to touch on when you were transitioning into the CG world. Was Photoshop ever considered as cheating when you were going from a tradition? You know, was it a, if you're a photographer, you can't retouch something because that means you've messed up on the day type thing? That's interesting because, you know, it's, it's similar to, I had a conversation about it regarding AI. It's like, oh, AI. And so I had the same conversation it's a third time because first I was, you know, shooting film and, you know, the guys I learned with would shoot film to 0 point, 0.25 magenta filter on the transparency. You could take the transparency and print it. That was, you know, that was what was expected. Retouching was not an option, just didn't exist. The best thing you could do, there was airbrushers, right? They would cut out pieces and they would airbrush gradients onto the transfer. Really? Yeah. But my first boss, still alive, where he was like, was always like, he lost a football game. When that happens, like, oh, I couldn't manage to get it in camera. You know, it was, it was disastrous for me. Never liked that. Uh, but sometimes you shoot a chrome vase, the camera, you know, you cannot get rid of the camera, right? So you need to do so, and then Photoshop, uh, Silicon Graphics machine started coming. The other photographer I worked for after that, it was one of the first ones to embrace it and say, oh, okay, I'm going to take five different exposures and put them together and, and retouching. So it became a style, you know, same thing, doing things that are not possible if you're not using the technology. But he had clients right, that were, you know, like, senior creative directors they were like oh but that's cheating and you cannot photograph your craft is shit you know all that and you know that happened more and more with photoshop going forward and it was the same conversations that i experienced in cgi and they're like oh it's in cgi let's look no i can see it i can feel it i can see the difference you know and at one point it doesn't make a difference and if everybody's using it it gets overused and then there is this uh, flashback to film, for example, right? Like we see with some some people that oh, digital is out. We do film. There's this backlash because people overdo it. 
in the end, it does not matter if you use 8 by 10 cameras, CGI, whatever. You need to respect the craft and uh, be truthful to perspective. Very basic stuff. And this is, at, I don't know if it's a generational thing. It's about, you know, it's people who take their craft seriously. If you're like, oh, I want the mountains to be bigger, just scale them up. Just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Exactly. Get that discipline into, you know, into the workflow, I think is important. Uh, well, I mean, people can educate themselves, right? But they don't. Uh, I don't know how many times I had a conversation where I tried to explain that a lens is not perspective. Perspective is perspective. Lensing mm-hmm. is lensing. It's, uh, so, but then again, depending on what you produce, so if, you know, we're in a in a niche where we say, okay, you know, the CEO doesn't have that conversation with me. He says, I like it, I don't like it. It's right, it's the dark, it looks fake. So if he says it looks fake, I need to figure out why it looks fake to him. You don't have the conversation about, oh, I can see it's CG, it's not CG. For a long time, I was trying to evangelize people on doing it in CG, it's better, it's better for the environment, it's faster, it's safer, it's da, 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 it's more efficient. And then I realized it's like, it's just, it doesn't make sense, you know? If people want to go out and shoot, they will go out and shoot. You know, they will do everything in their power to get to Cape Town or Los Angeles or South Africa and say, uh, Southern Spain is like, no, 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 you, you see the difference. You know, because these are the people who are selling it to the final point. And you have that, and the next biggest competitor is really bad CGI. Because, you know, if somebody had one bad experience, they're not going to, they're like, no, no, I tried it, it doesn't work. Right. And that comes from people who oversell and underdeliver. What can I do about it? There's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> I guess you've got to, if ever you're in a situation where you're talking with a client and they're on the fence of, do I go? shoot it for real or do i go with you guys or the you know to, to do it cg you have to say look yeah you may have bad experience but it can look real but in a way we move to a position where i say if you don't have the basic confidence in our capability i'm not no, i'm not sure. taking yeah. the job this yeah. is endless horror trip somebody's like yeah you need to prove it to me and then when you show it to me i believe it i'm like you know what we're not for you yeah, of course, that makes sense. I'm not anti-shooting, I'm doing something else. If you don't want to. Yeah, this is what we do, and if you want it, exactly. yes, if you don't, then move, get someone else. Yeah. If I wanted to create a photorealistic image of a car in a city or a video, how would I do it? What are the tips to, to get that done? Well, I think from the, from the incredibly big box of secrets, you want, want some of those? Okay. <laughs> five top five five secrets no no one main secret <laughs> will be so the way we approach it like i said the car angle number one sure. this is what you build it around so be sure you have a good angle see the car but you know also in light next thing is well try to do realistic stuff right yes. so it's like drives in the lane or if you want to be crossing the lane make sure it makes sense right for your show up Next thing for us is the closer to the car, the more important. So our streets compared to our buildings have received much more love. 
So we know a lot. Down, down on the level of the cars. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> you know, manholes, asphalt, uh, you know, the markings on the road and how you, how much usage, to, you know, how used they are, what colors. And what I always uh, enjoy is to, if you're using B-Ray 6, I would strongly suggest to do that because what one of the best features, and that's something I've been waiting for for very long time is the sky system because for cars if you can control the sky not only the sun position and the colors but you know the clouds very precisely it's a huge huge part of car photography even in the city and the amount of clouds you know these things that you can really design these clouds is, uh, because it sets the tone for a car picture and then the next thing that I think gives you the final fairy dust is working with the atmosphere very diligently. So you can do volumetric or the, the what is the other one called? But you know, it's it, essentially it's like the dust in the air that you can control. And if you set these up and test them properly to a point where they exist, but they don't disturb you, they're not in your face. This sure. really, really makes makes it lively and don't you know clean it up too much right yeah it's difficult it's the it's but with every, like every art piece i'm sure it's the same in what you're doing you need to focus very closely and then really zoom out and sometimes leaving it alone for a night is a good idea and come back yeah look looking at it the next day and go what was i thinking last night when i put that there or when i did that you know it's um it's always good to come back, isn't it? I always tell people that I work with, and when we're doing cameras, because we do shot creation and, yeah, um, you know, whatever kind of sequence it is, whether it's a car sequence or something on the moon, whatever, whatever it is, a dialogue piece. Or they'll, or they'll say, for example, you know, something doesn't feel real here. And the question is, like, if this was on set or location, yeah. where would the camera operator be and what, what would the com camera operator be able to do in that space? Yeah. Like you mentioned earlier, if the camera's overtaking the car... You know, you would. Be, what vehicle would that camera operator be yeah. on? Would it be on mounted on an arm, or would it be someone? You know, it's you. The yeah. question is, can you shoot it for real? Great, great piece of, of advice. Without giving out too much secrets for the scope, we don't want to. <laughs> we don't want to. No, the other secret is um, you need to do it and get it done every time you step up to the plate, as they say. You need to. You know, get a hit. I mean, that is what makes it difficult. And you know, you need to get it done in a given time frame under the with the constraints that you have. And I think this is what, in every field, separates the professionals from from the amateurs. I mean, that's like I have a friend who does very good sandwiches, but it takes a very long time. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Unreal Engine, we mentioned, yeah. we briefly touched on earlier, and you was on about um, controlling the sky is very powerful thing to do because we we were on a project we're on a project at the moment currently where we've we're using unreal engine and uh there's uh, an add-on that you can uh, something that you can purchase from the marketplace called ultra dynamic sky right. uh, and we're having so much fun being able to yeah. create clouds you know design the clouds and yeah. the way it kind of gives you the mood uh, you know if you add more clouds it becomes more atmospheric if you it's too bright you know so, so much fun right? to play around with that yeah this this is something that has been missing a lot i think from cg i know that you are a big fan of v-ray 6 and your pipeline at the moment 
and you're on the sideline looking in at the Unreal Engine space with virtual production, um, is there ever a time where you see in the future where Unreal Engine integrates into what you guys do at the scope for, for any, at any capacity? Again, it's like we have many friends and, and colleagues who say, well, can you please make the city available and not real because I want to use it. Right? And there is, um, there is production pipelines for OEMs that are fully set up on Unreal because, you know, we know Unreal has or had the best salespeople in the world. I mean, people were like, how could we live without Unreal? I yeah. Now, right? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, they managed to sell big OEMs. And it, it, interestingly, you know, there were some very heavy top-down decisions, right? So like they're like, oh, we're going with this. I mean, I still don't know how much they're going to charge, but now that they're charging, mm, yeah. things are changing. And again, I think it, it's, it's, it's an amazing piece of technology, but also what they have learned is supplying OEMs and studios working for in industrial clients. It's a whole different ball game to doing, you know, game engines. Because, you know, OEMs are very needy, right? I mean, it's like, oh, and this color and this. The last time we looked at it closer, so you have, you know, you need secondary bounces or whatever, you know, glass doesn't work properly. And obviously glass yeah. is super important for cars. They're of course, super important. So <laughs> it's like I was always like, okay, but guys, glass doesn't really work. Yeah. What are you doing with it? Yeah, we do a workaround. Okay, how many workarounds you do? By the time you're done working around it, I render. Yes, you know, handles data, you know, a lot of smart things, but it's you need to set it up for that and build for that. Obviously, we need to set up things as well. But switching pipelines is. It's, it's a painful and difficult it's thing. Always. <laughs> yeah. Um, what we're looking at pretty, pretty uh, seriously at right now is Omniverse. Because we, you know, we started talking to NVIDIA. They reached out. They, they've seen the city and they're like, well, can we get it to Omniverse? So we're looking at, you know, being an Omniverse, ideally, when it gets to that stage, it's like we publish it and then you can translate it into Unreal and all these things. When USD, you know, becomes more common. I mean, you know, teams started looking at it. They're like, "Oh, this is great. We can do this. We can do that." But it, it's not uh, a plug-and-play, super easy peasy kind of thing. It's like it can contain a lot of information, but you also have to know how you put it in there and maintain it. Um, but this is what we think is is um, going forward. We want to be more USD capable or work in USD so we can exchange data with other applications easier. You know, especially Unreal. Yeah, of course. Location, location work. Yeah. I've read that um, you s potential to become like an app or is that? Well, yeah, this is the, yeah, that is that is the big uh, promise that Omniverse has and we had the conversations yeah. with, with the developers and also, the NVIDIA is looking for people to get, you know, assets or use cases and onto Omniverse, which is rather a platform than a software. And obviously, I mean, they were developers. It's sort of very easy. They're like, oh, yeah, I just need to code this. I'm like, okay, dude, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm operating my iPhone here. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't technically blow my mind. Like, you know, just 
slow down a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially you can say, oh, this piece of software, this, and you can build a uh, user interface, connect these, and you know you can build on top of Omniverse. So this is what what sounds super interesting, and we're hoping to put together a package where we say. You know, other studios' clients can work on their own city because we had conversations with, you know, film people. And they're like, okay, we love Scope City, all that stuff, but we cannot wait for you to always give us stuff, right? It's like, I have huge teams. Can I have the software? Right. Which is not so easy. You know, we're not a software publishing company. So it's like a million, million questions pop up. And, you know, legal team is like, no, no, no. You know, so, I bet, then, yeah. And Omniverse, but the Omniverse thing is interesting because you can essentially host it on your own machine, give somebody access. I could say, oh, Jamie, here, you know, you want to output a city, log in here, and then you have all the dials that are necessary to create a city. You create it. Once we have uh, it set up in USD, you can do live previews on the RTX render engine. Uh, once you say, oh, cool, this is the city I want, you, you save it down and then you get a download link to the city in the output that you need. So this is this is so what I'm hoping. Yeah, that sounds a nice way of doing that nice. Yeah, rather than just giving it away and people will tear it apart and do this. And it- yeah, and it's, you know, we, we, we talk that, you know, big guys and big post-production houses, you know, top dudes. And of course, they can operate Houdini to all these things, but reality is it's computers it's cg right so something is going to break or not work and then they're going to be calling me at four o'clock at night and saying oh my note blew up i don't know so it's repair it (laughs) it's like we're not it repair (laughs) we don't we've just given it you and you know use it your own will it's not yeah yeah you know foolproof it's uh it is what it is you know we touched briefly on AI, I don't want to go into it too much, but what are your thoughts on, like, you know, I personally see it as a tool, like a Photoshop is a tool, and what are your thoughts on it in the terms of car photography world? For the stills, I think it's it's going to be a game changer once people, once it gets better, especially on high volume things, but, or like very standard stuff. It's going to do a better job than people because also the stand, you know, some some stuff is really boring or really bad, and it, it'll be easier to do it with AI instead of researching stock. But now I think with Getty, you could go into Getty and generate backgrounds and all these things. But somebody still needs to do it. Is prompting going to be so much faster? I don't know because I think you know Photoshop is pretty fast these days, and now Photoshop's with. AI included. But it would, I mean, that's the thing. This is, there was these memes, right? Saying, oh, we don't have to worry about AI because a client would have to tell us what they want and they cannot, you know, <laughs> that, that type of uh, <laughs> thing. And essentially, this is what they're buying. They're not necessarily buying the craft, but they're all, they're buying experience. They're buying the fact that you offer something that is good. I mean, it's a, Yes, there is like clients from hell. They want to mess around and everything. But I guess you have the same thing in restaurants. I mean, people walking into the kitchen and say, oh, can I see the egg that you're going to use for an omelet? Well, I can, but better get out of here, you know? 
Uh, it's it's somehow in creative people feel entitled to mess around in in your work. I don't know. <laughs> I can imagine like imagine a, a client that is an absolute nightmare, and they keep coming back and saying, "I want this, I want this, I want this." Yeah. And in the end, you just go, "If you know exactly what you want, because it sounds like you do, and we can't do." It, Here's the prompt. You type in and see what you see what comes out. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's um, and you know my my use case for AI, except for I mean the team is using essentially it's more machine learning than AI. Right. Obviously, we are looking at stuff that is coming titled as AI and see what it can do. But you know, creating edges in Houdini, automatic UV mapping, yeah. giving you samples of modeling. But for well, we use it for 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 mood boarding. I think it's super yeah. super cool. Yeah, absolutely. Because then obviously that is easier than pulling it from the stock or, or a website and putting it together, sending it to the client. You're like, oh wow, you know, it's like, oh, I have ten options. I like this, this, this. Send it off to the client. Yeah, it's a, definitely a good tool. Yeah, I always think oh, I have to try it, and I think we actually do have a runway. Uh, Okay. Description for storyboarding because I cannot sketch. If, if my life depended on it, I couldn't sketch, right? <laughs> so it's, you know, for storyboarding, if I can just yeah. type it or say it and I get something that I can then use to share it with somebody else, that would help me a lot. But it's the same way I'm using it for writing. I'm not a big writer and I use Grammarly. I think, you know, anybody. Communicating with me in English is much happier since I'm using that because before I was butchering language left and right. But so it's, it's I'm pretty terrible at English typing myself. So I use Grammarly on my emails, and I'm like, oh, really? thank, thank you so yeah. much, Grammarly, because yeah, that made me it. sound a lot more intelligent. Yeah, and also with 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 I use Jasper for writing. You know, for ideation. Sometimes I use it. Sometimes I don't. You know, it's, it, it, it's kind of helped. And with the pictures, I think it's similar. It's going to enable a lot of people who did not have good pictures at all to create some pictures. You know, as non-users become users. Like, you know, I didn't call a copywriter and say, okay, dude, I'm going to write an email. You better clean this up and send it to me. <laughs> I'm going to, because I went through that process for the website copy. It drove me crazy. Oh, I bet, Yeah. I've heard nightmare stories of copying uh, websites, all that stuff. Because yeah. I'm also client from hell. Because they send something, and I'm like, I don't like it. They're like, what don't you like? I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't sound right. <laughs> and then the experience for you kind of puts you off. You go, I don't want to go there again because that wasn't yeah. a good experience. So yeah, you feel like one day it feels like, oh, this is a cheesy sentence. The other one's like, oh, it doesn't have enough punch. It's I don't know if you if you don't have a clue. As a client, what you're requesting, it's uh, very painful for... It. Like this, I can torture AI to give me hundreds of options. <laughs> it doesn't care. Absolutely. With uh, cameras and clients and certain brands, for example, do they ever kind of request a specific type of, like, you know, lensing? Or, you know, we don't shoot this car any wider than a 24 or you'd like a you know, like Tom Cruise, don't shoot my face on anything wider than a 24 because it distorts me. Is there any yeah. specifics what clients get to in terms of storytelling through cameras and lenses? Um, it is. There, There is. A, it's interesting because there is also uh, 
different camera preferences depending on markets. So now that what we learned is the Chinese consumer or the visual language in China is so much more gamified, maybe mm. we can call it that, much more technological because the let's say the visual heritage that we have going back to uh, you know cinema nouveau and you know the the the, the whole Hollywood thing with uh, yeah Easy Rider and all these things um, they don't have that you know they don't yeah. have the visual references from uh, the seventies and the eighties film so completely different. Yeah, so there was like, you know, communistic propaganda and then boom, video games-ish, right? So so that much more open to craziness in a way, much more drones, much more quick, much more this, much more that. Not so obsessed with photorealism in the beginning, but then when it comes to the end, they're like, ah, it doesn't look real. And I'm like, yeah, dude, you know, you let a drone drop from 80 meters at 100 kilometers an hour. Does not look natural. Yeah, well, that's that's what I was going <laughs> thinking of. Um, you know, when when clients like this, you know, you're there for you know the, the camera move is this because it's been shot like this. Um, and when a client's, I guess, the Chinese um, market and the the Chinese clients, when they're asking for crazy cameras that definitely aren't doable in the real world, how do you balance that? Do you kind of have to compromise at all, or do you just give them? Okay, this is how it's going to look, and if that's what you're happy with, yeah, yeah we can do exactly. it. Exactly. So essentially, you know? well, in our in our uh, film process, I mean, in, in, in photo, I think we haven't experienced it in photo because in photo, it is the you know the designers drive the visuals, and if it's a card that is not brand new, well, you know, you can use a fisheye if you think that's a great effect, and somebody signs off on it, then it's fine. You know, for social media or Again, you know, their image output and the Chinese team is doing that is even higher than what we output for social media here. It's like, it's, it's, I mean, I've been there the first time uh, last summer and then again in November. It is really a different speed, right? It's, it's, um, I read about it a lot, but when you're there, it's like, everything is blinking. I mean, buildings have, I like LED screen. It's uh, different. But at the same time, you know, somebody is cutting meat on the street. So it's very, uh, for me, it's very Blade Runner, like the first Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But for them, it's like, that's it, right? This is, this is, this is us. And I, I like it. It's, 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 uh, it's a very, very different energy. Is it challenging city um, to create for with Scope City it, that kind of culture and that kind of city design and things with the lights and the streets and everything? Well, they, that's an interest, the next interesting thing. They don't um, want it to be super authentic because you know their authentic sometimes is just not great. You know, Beijing is very foggy. You know, air is not great. So and. They're not at the stage where they're like, no, I want to feel the real deal at the dirt on the street. They're like, no, I want to clean, please. You know, we have enough, you know, they don't enjoy the grit, grit yet. Yeah. Just make it look cool and yeah, make it look just have clean, fun. Nice, you know, uh, luxurious. So that's still, still a big, big thing there. Um, but you know, with the camera work, so essentially what we do, we produce what we call dailies. So we set up 
drive, we set up a base light on location and just, you know, shoot a lot of cameras, render them out. And then depending on whoever does the edit, give it to the editor and say, okay, you know, here's a shot collection, pick something, put something together and see, you know, see what the client likes. We try to, you know, bring the product as far as possible, as soon as possible. And that works with V-Ray. You know, that's why, you know, that Unreal V-Ray thing, yes, it renders, it doesn't render 60 frames per second. Oh, of course not. But again, I'm still, um, you know, it could be faster, but if the quality yeah, the first output is not convincing to the client's eye or my it's eyes. It can be off-putting for the client. Like, uh, yeah. that's not, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. I definitely know what you mean. You've got to show them something, but not show them everything but don't don't show them too little they've really got to be sold early on rather than go if you're if you're going it's going to look like this but this is only like 20 percent of what it's going to look like yeah. they're kind of like well i just want to see i just want to see things early on you know overproduce it early on yeah so then you know but that's why a lot of people pushed into unreal because they were like i cannot handle the stress of rendering anymore or setting it up but it, you have the same issues in unreal because before you can start to render you need to do a lot of stuff so you end yeah. up also sharing stuff where you're like yeah that's not final you know it's like that conversation always very bad so i'd rather have a low res preview leave it grainy don't denoise it too much and it's like well yeah it's the quality is going to get better but the light that you know is it is it so it's a picture or it's not a picture farouk i've got a little game to oh. finish on just a little bit of fun just to wrap things yeah. up on what can we win? What are we winning? You will win. We'll we'll follow up with an email with your prize if you win. <laughs> it's a very quick game of is this a CGI car or is it a ah, real car? Okay. I could be very good at this. So if it's a real image, it might be photoshopped or it might not be photoshopped. We don't know the exact depths of what's gone into these photos. Okay, Just a bit of fun. Okay. Let's go with this first image. CGI car. You think CGI car, okay. Oh, very well done. It is very well done. This car, I'm sure. Oh, we've got we've got real image here, Ferru. Really, but it's this I think the size of the car to the light lane width is off. Yeah, the lane width is off. It looks a very narrow car, I completely yeah. agree. And that's what yeah. threw me actually, Steve, this image. I would have said CGI for this. Next one, we have got CGI or real. That's CGI. CGI. That is CGI. Yeah, correct. Uh, what what gives this away? Glass. Just to... The glass. Oh, okay. And the car paint too. Okay, yeah, you got that one right, Farouk. So the next one is uh, CGI or real. I say real, but with... Well, wow. It's a tricky one because there's a lot that can go into these images to get the final result. We're not breaking them down, but... Can't tell. If it's a giant, it's a tell. very good job. It is a CGI image. Um, yeah, very well done. This image, real or CGI? This could be CGI, and I would backtrack it to the tire pressure, but I, you know, it could be real as well. It could be real. We've got... Um, this is actually a real vehicle with a lot of Photoshop. Um, this artist actually is a guy called Alex McKenzie, I think. is on Instagram. He's called 85mm. Uh, okay. He does a lot of 
shooting multiple exposures and yeah. combines them in post. But that's that's why I say it's like you know if you have the card data, you're quicker rendering Ex it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, this oh. one, number five, is real or CGI? CGI. CGI. We have got number five as a real image. Oh, it, it could also be real. It's it's it's, it's uh, really hard to tell. With we have got the next one, which is number six. We are saying CGI or real? Real. Real. This is an artist, a CGI artist called the <laughs> Kaiser. The Kaiser on Instagram. The um, Kaiser. He. The incredible artist and he's been doing it a very long time no but it's like you know for example why i was thinking it might be real you know the highlights on the uh the bars inside the car these things okay so that is done very oh uh, the roll cage part of the, the roll cage part you know, yeah. done, you know nice. modeling it and you know Attention, yeah. it's, it's the detail, isn't detail. it? I guess yeah, the attention exactly. to detail, yeah. And if you can I've... sell it as a, a real car, then yeah. Yeah. yeah, his Instagram page is just phenomenal. Like the yeah. car designs what's, that he does is what's his name? I don't know. On, on Instagram, if you type in uh, the underscore Kaiser, which is K Y Z A, the work that he does is incredible. The next one is number seven is real or CGI. CGI, CGI. What's this one? Is it number seven. Number seven. <laughs> this is a real image. This is a real car. Yeah. See, that looks. That looks like a, the door looks fake to me. Yeah, the door the, the is door the retouching looks, thing gone wrong. We have got number eight. Uh, CGI or real? That's CGI. I know it. I know the guy who does it. Oh really? Vitamini's work. No. Yeah, CGI, absolutely. Yeah, good one. Uh, and what is it about this image that no, it's good. gives it's, us? It's uh, just know it to be. Oh, you just know it. <laughs> I just okay. Know. And the number plate might be, but you need to know a lot about number plates to say, oh, this number plate, uh, the M is a bit. You know. Oh, okay. So that's for the number plate police <laughs> that really analyze number plates. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. fair. Okay, uh, so number nine is uh, CGI or real? CGI or, well, it's a lot of compositing, I would say. <laughs> Maybe it's too much retouching. Could be a real car. And retouched a bit heavily. Okay, Re so you're saying real car with heavy retouch? Yeah, but I'm saying okay. that. Yeah, That is exactly yeah. that. So yeah. that is, yeah, real car. And, uh, yeah, a bit of fun and added it into uh, yeah. a, a racetrack. Um, and then the final one is, is ah. this CGI car or is this a real car? <laughs> it's <full laughs> CGI, I believe. I can't believe it's not butter. You guys know that? Are you all young? Yes, we know that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is, of course, work uh, from you guys. It's a CGI car. Thank you for playing the, is it real or is it CGI car? We didn't keep score, but we will watch the video do it back. Too well, I think. Oh, you did pretty good. Nah, not too well. bad. Yeah. We'll give we'll give you the scorecards um, with the follow up right. email, Farouk. So, right. and final question: Dream car, Farouk's dream car that he would love to own, drive, or 
very difficult you know like, or do you hate uh, cars <laughs> i do not hate cars but it's it's more like i fall into love too easily so it's like every car we're working on oh oh this is a great one and i'm going to order one and then obviously <laughs> it's much too early to order uh by the time they come out i'm on the next one and on the next one and uh, so but if i well that might be a favorite just, car that you've enjoyed you know or seen that's well, yeah, was, uh, I we had a Land Rover until it broke down. Then, then they told us it's a French engine. I'm like, okay, guys, really? It's like now you're blaming the French, but it's no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, I was I was happy in, in, uh, in a Range Rover, but right now I'm cruising around. We're cruising around in a Fiat Cinquecento. Oh, nice, nice little. It's, it's it's a fun little little city car and because you know we have four boys but since they grew up so it's uh we don't travel together that much anymore so if we need a bigger car just grab one of the the the, the miles it's called in hamburg where you can just rent uh, you know right hourly cars you know like oh really car sharing thing yeah oh nice that works pretty well and yeah oh but range rover yeah probably yeah Villar kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Well, Jaguar, Jaguar F-Type was something I always wanted, but I'm not really? sure if I can get in and out very elegantly anymore. You know, it's like, oh, really? I don't want to be the old guys trying to climb out of a sports car. <laughs> like Leonardo DiCaprio getting out of the Lamborghini. Exactly. You're trying to get into the Lamborghini. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, if you, oh. you can't get out very dynamically, yeah, that's might a not problem. be a good look, you know. Farouk, that was an absolute pleasure, and I just want to say thank you Likewise. for your time. Thank that was you, really great chatting. Okay, great conversation. Yeah, really nice. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Um, what are you doing this evening? What's the rest of the evening look like? Well, calm, and maybe I play a video game tonight. Let's see. Yeah, maybe inspired nice. me racing. No? Yeah, you uh, <laughs> should. Or getting getting the um, the car rig seat at, um, and yeah, have a go in the race. I don't car. know if my if, if the team member is like when I walk into his house. I'm like, okay, I want to. Want to use your car, Rick? Oh, is it in it's his house? No, sorry, yeah. I, sorry, I thought you says he had it set up in the uh, where you guys work. No, 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 okay. not in the studio. No, no, we don't. And yeah, maybe okay. that's also a good idea. So I'll Hell think yeah. about those things. Nice. Yeah. Well, whatever you do, enjoy, <laughs> Farouk, and we'll speak very soon. That's why. Thank you. Thank you very much for having. Me. Pleasure. Take care, Farouk. Take care. Good evening. Take care. Bye bye. All the best. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember to check out our other episodes available or check out the podcast in video form on our YouTube. Please drop us a rating and review. See you next time. The VFX Process, getting intimate with your industry. Brought to you by Big Two Studios.